So if you ever go to a meeting and you think, wow, that leader or that CEO or that whomever is, is you know, really a natural, they practice. They practice. I promise you they practice. This is the Brilliance Leadership Learning Podcast, sharing thought-provoking content and discussions to enhance your leadership development journey. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of new episodes. Here are your hosts from the digital learning team at Crottenville, GE's Global Learning Institute. Hi, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Brilliance Leadership Learning. Today, we have a leader at GE here as a guest on our podcast, Megan Parker, who is the Director of Culture Communications and leads employee communications for all of GE out of our corporate office. So we are going to be talking a lot about executive communications and storytelling, since this is an area that Megan really helps support for a lot of our executives at GE. So welcome, Megan. Thank you for being with us today. That's great. Thanks for having me. So how do you help senior leaders prepare for delivering their messages in general? I guess I would say you start with a really blank sheet of paper. So don't get an old PowerPoint deck of what you're trying to say. Don't look through old emails. (laughs) You know, like don't default to those bad habits, right? Get a blank sheet of paper. Now it's up to you. I like to get a pencil, but some people like to type whatever your preference is. And just write down what you're trying to say if you were talking about it over dinner to your family, right? If you were trying to explain this to them in a normal speak, you know, not, you know, jargon or no terms, what would you say? And write it all down. It's okay if it's too long. It's okay if it's sort of rambly. Just get it all out there. And then after that, you can refine it down. And I always say, you know, for senior leaders delivering their you know, their message. The good news is you're a senior leader for a reason. So you're an expert, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody in the room is going to question that. So why don't you just get get it down to three points that you want your audience to take away? And again, it doesn't have to be really industry heavy or data heavy, even, you know, at times, because um, you're given that benefit of the doubt on the expertise side. So what is the key thing, you know, one, two, three things you want them to leave with? And I say that's good for any meeting, internal meetings, a media interview, you know, an external speaking engagement, sort of what do you want them to remember? Because the truth of the matter is both yourself as a speaker and also the audience is not going to remember much more than three things anyway. So uh, so it helps you distill it down. Right. So are there any specific things as you think about, you know, a presentation maybe versus actual storytelling? Are there specific elements of storytelling that you try to skill them up on? Oh, completely. I mean, storytelling is um, one of the most natural things for humans and also one of the hardest things, right? I mean, we've been telling stories since the beginning of time. It's sort of it's human nature. Um, But I think the reason why it's hard for leaders is because a good story is always personal, right? It always has some personal angle. Um, All good stories start with a personal touch. And I think that's sometimes hard for, for folks that have lived in the business world for a long time and sort of have to a degree divorced that personal piece from their, um, you know, business conversations and their business presentations. And that's what people want. They crave that. So I always say, um, you know, think back to what does this mean in your, your everyday life? If you're someone's overcoming a big challenge at work, how does that relate to something that you've experienced either as a marathon runner or as a, you know, working parent or as, you know, how do you tie some of these big themes back to, everyday stories that are personal to your life. Um, and that's hard to do, but I think that just takes a little bit of practice. And if you get a couple of those stories down, you can use them in a lot of different environments. Um, so I always say start with those and, uh, and go from there. 
it's a great point kind of mentioning this aspect of vulnerability and that not being something we're all used to. But um, I think that's true. I've heard that a lot, even as we as we try to get some of our more senior leaders to write blogs. It's a lot of times something that can my communicator review this before I send it out? And it's uh, that vulnerability is, to your point, something that we have seen audiences really want. So that's a great point and, and a good segue into this next part about what are some other specific characteristics or traits that exemplify leadership presence in this area? Oh, man. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I would say leadership presence is it's a combination of sort of three things. Um, it's it's your own self-confidence as a leader um, your self-awareness, um, and then probably, you know, your emotional intelligence to, to read the room. Um, so when I say confidence, I mean, this is really hard, right? I think, you know, for me as a communicator, um, you know, I'll walk into a meeting with people that are 300 times smarter than I am, right? Scientists and engineers. And, and I, you know, it's very easy to get down on yourself and think, oh gosh, you know, I'm sort of out of my league in this meeting, um, but you're there for a reason, right? You have a skill set that um, somebody else in that room needs. So that self-confidence on why you're in a meeting and sort of having that presence so that you can speak up and make your points, uh, I think is a big part of, of you know, that leadership presence. Um, but at the same time, you have to have self-awareness, sort of how are you coming across? I mean, I'll tell you, you know, for me, I, you know, maybe you talk fast like I do, you know, maybe yes, uh, your ideas get out in front of, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I understand. I mean, it's like my ideas get out in front of my mouth sometimes, you know, I think um, sort of how you're coming across and having that self-awareness, but you can't let it, you know, stop you. Uh, it's just more of what are your vulnerabilities and how can you help overcome them, you know, as you know, part of your leadership presence. And then emotional intelligence. I mean, we all know this, but just pause for a second and read the room. Right? Are people really engaged with you? Are they understanding what you're trying to say? You know, is is your message getting through? Um, and it's some magic in those three things when you find the right combination that I think you know equates to leadership presence um, in meetings and in presentations and uh, and you know anywhere. Yeah. So you mentioned a little bit about uh, you know some maybe somebody talking too fast. What are some other common mistakes that you've seen leaders make? during any kind of presentations, whether it's with their voice, their body language, maybe misuse of humor? Um, what are some other? Yeah. I mean, everyone's been in that presentation, right? Like, <laughs> uh, no, I am. Um, it really comes down to people that are not themselves. Okay. So whenever people make a mistake, it's because you're not being authentic to yourself. And what I mean by that is, um, look, if you're funny, great, be funny. You know, if you're not funny, don't try to be funny. Like it's, it's like really that, you know, I think, um, you know, if you're, you know, an expert on something, be an expert on what you're an expert in. Don't try to fake it right into a topic that's not your area or use words you wouldn't use in everyday life. Or, you know, I think just try all those mistakes come up when you're not yourself. Right. And really show up, you know, be authentic to who you are. And then I would say other another sort of big common mistake is, um, you know, present to how the audience is going to hear you. And what I mean by that is, you know, there's a great executive coach um, named uh, Gail Blanke, and she writes this, this Monday morning motivator uh, email. If you, if you haven't checked it out, it's worth it. And one of her big sayings is sort of speak to the audience listening. And what she means is, you know, put yourself in their shoes. It's not about what you're saying that makes sense to yourself. It's how they're going to hear it. And I think sometimes people are so wrapped up in their own idea that they present it not in a way that the audience is going to actually understand it or mm -hmm. they're sort of from their perspective or how they're going to hear it. 
So I would say probably those two things, you know, authenticity and then really put yourself in the shoes of the audience that you're talking to, uh, not sort of yourself who's been living in that topic for a long time. So what are some reasons that you think that people may not feel like they can be themselves and what suggestions would you have to help overcome some of that anxiety? Oh, I think people, you know, get nervous, right? I mean, that's why they can't be themselves. They feel like this isn't safe, right? The safe play is to, you know, do it sort of robotically, you know, get it out. Um, but the honest truth of the matter is when you do that, you make yourself more nervous, right? If you show up and you're yourself, then you know how to be yourself. Like that, check that off the list. You're not acting like somebody else and presenting, right? You're just being yourself. That's off your list of things to do. And then you just have to present. So, you know, I think part of that authenticity sort of will help relieve some of your anxiety. Uh, and I guess the other big thing I would say if, if you get nervous is practice. And it doesn't have to be this glorified, like you got your you know presentation up and you're walking around and practicing like where you put your hands and stuff like that. I mean, that's all nice. That's not what I mean. I mean, just practice your message, right? If you're driving your car or the grocery store, say your message out loud, you know, instead of listening to one of those songs on the radio and just practice sort of getting that point across in a succinct, clear way. So you get so comfortable with it from a messaging standpoint that you feel like you can go up there and do it, right? I think that's a big, um, you know, versus making it a separate thing you have to carve out time for. Just when you have a couple free minutes, just say it to yourself or say it out loud. You know, I, I work in New York City, so I could easily walk around and talk to myself. No one would find. <laughs> I mean, like you do whatever you, um, whatever works, but I would say, you know, definitely practice. And then like, this is like a little tip, but I, if it's, if it's helpful for people, if you can go to the place you're presenting at early, so whether it's the day before or it's before the meeting starts or whatever, and just see what your experience is going to be like, that's one way to relieve anxiety, right? See where you're going to be standing, see where, you're, you know, if you have a presentation, where it's going to be projected. It sounds like a silly thing. And I know we all have crazy schedules, but even if you can just walk through the room, it's going to help you visualize yourself there. It's going to help relieve that anxiety of, you know, am I going to fall down the stairs when I'm walking in and that kind of stuff and just check something off the list, you know, and that way you can focus on the, on the content. It's almost like a form of muscle memory, right? Like, so, because I've done it before where I may have practiced a presentation in a certain area, but then once I get to that place where I'm actually doing the presentation, it is different. And it's almost like certain portions of the talk you were going to give where you were looking at a certain part of the room. Now that it's different, it throws you for a loop. So at yeah, that, it throws you off. Yeah. For sure. And I guess I would say, look, and I would say, um, this is like inside you know, inside secrets from a communication person that I'm giving out, but every leader practices. So if you ever go to a meeting and you think, wow, that leader or that CEO or that whomever is, is, you know, really a natural, they practice, they practice. I promise you they practice. You know, yeah. we run big meetings at GE. We run a big leadership meeting every January and, um, you know, internal meeting with a bunch of officers, of the company GLM for the GE folks listening and every leader that presents at GLM practices. They come in a day early. They have a slot. They go on stage. They do their whole presentation. They click their slides. I mean, they do it all. So, you know, I think that's maybe something that we all forget, but everyone practices. And I think to your point, Chantal, you walk around, you see the space, you get used to where you're going to look and sort of what your gestures are going to be. And it, it helps relieve some of that stress day of. Yeah. I know I've heard people who have done TED Talks talk about the amount of preparation that they do 
because you know TED talks are so revered. It's like oh, this they they're such a crisp message, but there's all these coaches and practice that goes into it, you know. And, and like you said, I think sometimes we forget that. So oh, yeah, is it possible at all to just to just wing it to wing a, a story or a presentation of any sort? Oh yeah, I mean, I, I definitely. I think it's possible if it's how you work, right? If that's your style. Um, then God bless you. Um, I'm jealous. I, I think um, it's probably there. You know, there's probably a percentage of folks that is their style, right? Um, but I would say, if you are going to wing it, you have to have some level of of sort of practice. And what I mean by that is like I, so I work in communications, and um, a couple of years ago I went and sat in the control room during one of the nightly news broadcasts for cable news in the in the United States. And I was sort of in awe of this nightly news anchor who'd been doing it for, you know, years, almost decades. And the producer spoke into his ear and said, while he was talking, said, don't forget to mention it was some U.S. policy, you know, was in the news today. And the anchor without a teleprompter just went into it, right? So he was like mid-sentence when the producer said it to him, finishing a different story, and he went right into it. Wow. And I sat there and I was like, holy smokes, like talk about <laughs> someone that's amazing, right? That can wing it, like all this but the reality is that's his job, right? He does every single day, you know, multiple hours a day. So yes, he winged it, but it's not like a, um, you know, it's not a new muscle to your point before. Like it's something that he's worked a lot. So I would say, yes, it's definitely possible. Um, but you have to at least have your message crisp and have your sort of story down uh, before you get, before you go for it, you know, and that comes through just practice every day. Yeah. I'm reminded of the quote, like when preparation meets opportunity, it's like you can be good at winging it if you've kind of prepared to wing it. <laughs> yeah, it's weird to say. Exactly. I mean, it's it's a funny thing, but you're 100% right. Like if you talk about every meeting that you're in, a certain topic, and you're really passionate about it, then someone asks you quickly on the, on the spot, you could probably wing it, right? Because you've, you've been preparing, even though not directly, for a long time. So it's definitely possible, but I um, I recommend not doing it too much, right. <laughs> unless it's your style. Absolutely. So on the other side of that coin, can you over-prepare? Oh, man. I mean, um, definitely. And what I, I think if you um, if you over-prepare in sort of like the, the wrong way. So what I mean is, um, I'll give you a real-life example. So, um, so I like to run, and I, I like to run long distance. I'm really slow. So when you're slow, you have to... <laughs> You take distance over time. Um, and there's there's this rule when you're training for a marathon, there's this like rule that um, everyone knows that one of the you know, greatest ways you can get yourself sick when you're out in a marathon course is if you drink too much water. And so from it's sort of a weird thing to think about, but it's possible. So I, um, for my first marathon, I was so paranoid that I was going to drink too much water. I was so paranoid I was going to get sick. I was going to drink too much water, not dehydration, which would be a more logical fear, but I was more <laughs> afraid of the other extreme, right? Because the other extreme was way worse sure. and much sicker and whatever. Well, here's the thing. My coach, my running coach told me the course night before the marathon, um, he goes, the odds of you doing that are so, so slim. He's like, you have to drink, like you got to carry like liters of water with you out there on that course. Like you're not going to do it. He's like, the odds are so, so, so slim. So I would say there's definitely, when it comes to, you know, preparation for a presentation, I would say there definitely is a chance you could overprepare, but the odds are very slim. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it's just like, it's not, um, it's not something that you should worry, you know, too much about. I think, um, the one thing I will say using the running example is you can't injure yourself when you're training, right? So I, I think you have to, 
not set yourself up, not get uh, over, over worried about um, exactly one sentence or exactly your opening line or exactly because like that might not work out. Right. You might get fumbled like you might have an opening line that you've practiced and memorized and sort of over prepared for. And then the person introducing you asks you a question. Right. And then your whole game's thrown off because you don't it's not the opening line you thought of. So I would say. You have to be flexible in your preparation, but you're not, it's unlikely you're going to over-prepare unless you're really inflexible in your sort of flow of the remarks. That was a great example that I am just like envisioning this in my head and now as a <laughs> preparing for presentations, not to injure yourself. Yeah, it's hard. And that's when folks, I mean, to your point before, when people sort of make mistakes, um, I think because people that over-practice, sort of memorize. I mean, memorize, actually, I like memorizing key points sometimes, so I'm not opposed to memorizing, but if it throws you off, like if you memorize it to the point where you can't sort of flex with it, I think that um, that's the over-preparation that you got to be careful about. Right. And and taking it full circle, too, If even if it's an authentic message, but you're memorizing it too much, then it could come off as robotic oh, if yeah. you're not extemporaneous about it. Completely. It's a great point. Yeah, completely. So what, you know, let's just say somebody has has kind of followed some steps, they've prepared, they've practiced, not too much, but, you know, still things happen. If somebody makes a mistake or if something happens that's unexpected in the middle of a presentation or, you know, a story, um, what are some things that uh, somebody can do to quickly recover from that or, or maybe to, to practice in terms of if there's interruptions, how to keep the flow going? Yeah, I would say um, it's like it's not like if it's going to happen, it's definitely just when like that kind of that kind of thing is definitely going to happen um, in one of the presentations that you do at some at some point. I mean, the good news is, with the exception of like probably a handful of presentations in your life, the majority of the ones you do, people in the audience are not rooting against you. You know, like so the vast majority of them, unless you're. You know, I don't know, doing maybe some of these Senate test hearings or something that's scary. But for the most of the time, people are not rooted against you, right? People people want you to succeed. So they'll give you a lot of flexibility. You know, I think if um, you know, mistakes happen or you get thrown off, you just say, whoops, you know, that's not that's not what I meant to do. Or we're ahead of the game. Or let me just shift back to this. Or, you know, again, it actually makes you more approachable, right? It's back to that vulnerability point. It makes you more human. Um, so I would say don't stress out about it. Um, just say this isn't right, or we jumped ahead, or something got off course, or if you can, make a joke about it, you know, get interrupted three or four times, say, all right, well, you know, maybe this is a sign that I should stop, you know, or something that's sort of a cute, you know, takeaway or a cute joke on something that, um, you know, could break it up for the room, but to, to sort of at least act like you don't mind, <laughs> if even if you do mind all the interruptions, because it'll make, it'll put the audience at ease, and then will help you, um, uh, help you to sort of flex and go back to your message. So I think that's probably the big advice I'd say for that. And one thing I would add to that is watching other people who do it well. I know I've seen people where something has happened like that, or even if it's not an interruption, it's a, something that they did themselves and they just, they, they screw up. Having that relatability, when you think of yourself as an audience member and how that made you feel, I think then when you in turn go to give a presentation, keeping that in mind, it does make it easier to think, okay, if I, like you said, if I do this, it, it's not like they're all watching me waiting for me to mess up. <laughs> no, yeah, nobody wants you to mess up. They really don't. Like, you know, it's like you think about it yourself when you're in an audience and you feel like somebody's nervous or you're, I, I don't know about you, but I'm cheering for them, right? You're like, it's okay. Like, I'm here. Like, you're, you know, so the audience is with you. I totally agree. It's, um, you know, and I, th I think it's always great to take tips from from folks that do it really well and sort of steal those. I was in a 
uh, class recently at GE's Learning Center in Crotonville, and um, they've got these new awesome prism screens that are really cool. Yeah. And you can go up and sort of swipe right or left, and the person swiped the wrong way, and then the slides got a little funky, and then it changed <laughs> screen. And, um, you know, they, they were like, they're like, oh, they're like, oh, goodness gracious. So, you know, it was one of those, like, somebody come down and help me out. I got the, you know, and it was very, you know, fun. Like everyone was like, you know, everyone understood and everyone's been there and had technology failures. And, you know, it, it just sort of made it, it broke up the room and made it more, um, so a little more relaxed, you know, which is always nice. Absolutely. Any other tips that you have, Megan, that you like to share that we haven't covered? No, I don't think so. I mean, I, this is maybe, I think the only thing I'd say, it's like a pet peeve thing, but I'll. I'll, I'll share it is, um, if you are presenting with a presentation, whether it's PowerPoint or, or something else, make sure it's a presentation, you know, because I think sometimes we use some of the presentation tools, um, keynote, PowerPoint, others to actually communicate our ideas or be working documents and meetings. Uh, and that's not what you want to use when you're actually presenting your, your bigger sort of idea. You want to have a, a, a slide or a supplemental image that really supports your message. And it's not, you know, covered in text or sort of too heavy in, uh, in stats or, or numbers. Um, is it just going to distract your audience from what you're actually saying? And, or it's going to be hard to read or it's going to sort of turn them off to your story. So make sure that your, your, presentation complements the story you're trying to tell and the message you're trying to tell and being as simple as possible on your um, supplemental materials would just help do that. Are there any specific resources at all that, that you might have offhand? Any templates or websites or books or anything that you would recommend? Oh, I would say um, there's, well, for GE people that are um, inside our firewall, there's plenty of great images um, on Percolate, on Media Central, uh, within the company that you can use. I mean, we're lucky we've got beautiful technology um, that's at work all around the world that you can use to supplement your your stories. Um, and externally, I would say, similar to what your advice was, I would say look at, you know, look at those TED Talks, right? Or look at those, you know, great presentations of people that inspire you and what are they using for their imagery and their background and their storytelling. And that could hopefully inspire you. And there's plenty of free... Um, you know, rights-free images on the internet that you can use in your presentation. So I think that's probably the main resources I'd say. Really great advice, Megan. Um, and I think that there's a, a lot of things to to digest here and our audience can definitely look into more. So for our listeners, if you want to connect more with Megan, maybe run something by her, brainstorm a little bit, ask for advice, you can find her on LinkedIn. This was a great session. So thank you, Megan. Yeah, thanks so much. Good luck to everyone that's out there presenting. I'm pulling for you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, follow us on SoundCloud, and of course, like, comment, rate, and share. Thanks for listening.